close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 56, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing good, Brandon. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm looking forward to this uh, listener stories episode. Oh, those are always the best. Oh, I know. We have so many. It's actually yep. going to be a really long episode. Yep. We've got stuff about, uh, well, shadow people. We've got disembodied voices. And, and my favorite one that we're going to finish with, uh, the Arkansas Banshee. Ooh, yes. I didn't even know that was a thing. Neither did I. And I have an update on my friend who lives out in Langford. His house. Remember he his kid thought his mom was downstairs. Yeah, so there's I, there's more. Ooh, exciting! I know. Ooh, fantastic, Evan. You are just gonna love it that I put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> How, so, what have you been up to? How you been? Uh, uh good. Uh, last weekend, got away, went to the local ski resort here. Oh, of course, yeah. That's a couple hours north, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mount Washington, which is weird because it's not in the United States. Yes. Um, that confused me when I first moved here. Me too. Um, but uh, yeah, headed up the mountain and uh, stayed in the in a chalet. And the funny part was that we got there Friday and it started to snow. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> which, in the ski chalet. No, I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Uh, well, because it's so warm there. No, here. fair enough. So we're at the chalet and then it snowed and snowed and snowed. And Saturday we thought we'd go down the mountain and go do something. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm thinking if we leave... We might not get back up here because you can't park near the chalet. Right. You park in a parking lot and then you hike about 10 minutes up to the chalets. You lost me at hiking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I said, let's just wait it out. We're going to leave Sunday. We can hopefully get off the mountain then. Okay. That's what we decided to do. So stay in, watch a bunch of movies, make some good food. All good. Sunday we get up. We have to go. Like there's no sticking around. I have a ghost walk that night. Like you, we got to go. And when I open the front door and I see that the snow is now higher than the threshold <laughs> of the door, I'm thinking, oh, crap. Yeah, you sent me a picture. It looked to be about waist high. It was huge. I think about four to four and a half feet of snow fell Jesus. in the 36 hours. So I summoned my courage and I threw my luggage out onto the snow and then i pretty much climbed up onto the banister and launched myself off starfish mode like a flying squirrel yes with the same grace and agility i might add <laughs> and just kind of went boom into the snow i had to fight my way to the path in between the chalets thankfully that had been groomed by oh that's you know really... the you know the, they used to groom yeah, the yeah. runs uh because they need to be able to get snowmobiles up there if there's an emergency of course so i managed to make it to the path and then surprisingly it was actually easier to walk down the hill than if it hadn't snowed because the snow was so soft you could kind of dig your heels in. right 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 then got to the car and couldn't really see the car of course <laughs> so yeah no it was a fun adventure i should have not worn a spring jacket and a t-shirt. I probably should have taken something warmer. Yes. Lesson learned. That was my uh, stupid and exciting weekend. So, how about you? What's been up? Uh, well, after we recorded the last episode, I went over to Vancouver to yep. spend some time with my friend who's uh, uh, sort of getting better over there. Good. And I was in the city for about, I think, about five days, four nights. Ooh, that's a long time to be in Vancouver. Uh, it was. It was It was nice, actually. It was... Uh, 
uh, for the most part. The yeah. first couple nights, because I'm, you know, poor, uh, <laughs> I was staying with a friend out in Langley. Right. But the hour drive into the city Ugh. every day was a real, in the morning was a real drag drive. So were you in like rush hour? Is it, at times. Yeah. 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 And I mean, driving back out because it was always late at night, it was half an no hour drive, deal. which was yeah. fine. But yeah. yeah, after after a little while. So I ended up moving into my favorite hotel. The Pat. Patricia. Yes. Yes. Full of, full of ghosts and wow. various kinds of insects. And, well, and uh, I'm kind of scared of the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's a bad neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's it's not great. I, uh, I, I, I'm not a big fan of walking around there. No. Is it like on TV, like as the desk clerk behind bulletproof glass and stuff? No, I've been to hotels like that. Really? Yeah. Years ago, I was going to Calgary for a concert. Actually, it was the... Uh, it was the, uh, the Real Mackenzie's with Rise Against opening. Oh my. For those of you who know Rise Against, yes, this is back when they were still an opening band. Right. Uh, but we were from Revelstoke. We, it was our first road trip together. Yeah. We had no idea what we were doing. You didn't stay at the Cecil, did you? Well, funny you say that. We went to the Cecil. Oh my God. But before I get there, we went to a place called the King Edward. Oh no. And we walked in the front door and the guy was in a cage. Yeah. And I said, hey, we are looking for a room. And the guy's like, the bar's over there. I said, no, no, we want a room. He said, no, you don't. Holy. And so then we drove around trying to find a cheap motel. And yeah, we saw the yeah. Cecil. Oh my God. With one of the, the one Which of the lights like out. Almost even worse. So we, we pull up to the Cecil and I was unanimously elected to go in and check. <laughs> well, this, shall we say, uh, deranged looking gentleman in a, what we'll call a pimp coat, <laughs> swaggered out to, with cracked out eyes yeah looking directly at our car and we were so sheltered yeah you know from Revelstoke yeah. no idea what we were getting into that was the end really that, that was we just locked the doors drove <laughs> locked the doors hung a right and someone was screaming at us you're going the wrong way and we said oh, of course. you wouldn't say that if you saw what was back there <laughs> but no we were going the wrong way Calgary is all one way yeah, uh, yeah so no that was that was my experience oh my gosh so where did you end up staying oh I so think so the burbs I, I think it was uh, like a holiday in express that took pity on us yeah. they gave us a suite for a screaming deal nice but uh, yeah it was anyways well the Cecil yeah and the King Eddie were both infamous they're both gone now they're, oh are they yeah the I Cecil surprise me. She still got flattened. It's turned into condos, I think. And that place is going to be haunted as hell. <laughs> and the King Eddie shut down. So, but yeah. No. Oh, fair enough. So you did pick the two worst hotels you could have picked. Oh, it was impressive. That's I, fantastic. I have traveled far and wide since then. That was 2002. So in the 17 years since then, I've traveled far and wide and they are still among two of the worst places. Wow. I've ever seen hotel. Well, you know, it's bad when the, the hotel clerk says, no, you don't. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we were not. No, because no, we were, you know, we were all working yeah. in service. We were all brokes. So we're trying to find a cheap hotel. Oh, it would have been but cheap. Just the the dangers inherent in this never even occurred to us. Not really. Not in yeah. a real way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, wow. when I stay at the Pat now, I'm very cautious of the fact that I am I'm sort of on the edge of an area in which I am very much a tourist. So uh, no, wow. that, but it was good. So good. I saw him and good. spent some time over there. That's awesome. And then of course the emails started to come in. Yeah. Because I edited the show while I was over in the city. Yep. And there was that sound. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah. So for those of you who listened to our previous episode, episode 55, A Weakness for Spirits, we heard something yeah. on there and we're going to play it uh, in the next segment, but I have no idea what it was and it just jumped right out at me during editing. And what's weird is it's followed us around from studio to studio. That's it. From equipment to equipment. Yep. Even from computer to computer. Yeah. 
So there is no common denominator here anymore. Not really. No. I mean, there's like, yeah, a couple pieces are, are common across but the board. But not the main pieces. No. No. Right. Well, the, the laptop is. The laptop is the sole. We're recording on a new laptop today. Yeah. But the last episode was recorded oh, was on the on old one. was that on the old one? one? It was. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I that's okay. Used anyway. But even so, it, everything else has changed. We've had different Weird. microphones, different yeah. mixers, yeah. all these things. But this anomaly is the same. And it's never been that strong. And it's coming for you? I don't know. It was, it Which was mic is it through? It was talking through your mic. Because it seemed to be commenting on something you were saying. Probably like, shut the hell up, you idiot. <laughs> no. And then that's what it was saying. No, I, well, actually, no, we'll what? isolate the anomaly and be like, Ian, shut up. <laughs> Coming for you, Ian. For God's sake, be quiet. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll play it now. Okay. We'll play it now. This is the clip that uh, we picked up on episode 55 of Weakness for Spirits in the intro segment. Like a normal blood sugar for a regular human, right? <laughs> is in Canada because it's different in the states. Is four point five to six point oh. Good. So, what does that sound like to you? To me, it sounds like a woman's voice saying, "That's right." Huh. That's what I thought. But then we had people writing in and saying different things. So I'm not really sure. I've never really been able to make head or tail of any of them right i'm not good at that i right. don't hear what other people hear we'd watch ghost shows and i would hear rah, 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 and they'd be like well obviously it's quoting the fifth amendment like yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i have zero idea what they're saying i i think because for me when i was first editing the show it, it wasn't it wasn't like evp it was just like all of a sudden there was another voice wow saying that's right like it, it wasn't like i even had to puzzle it out Okay, so I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but apparently I do have a woman who is with me. Okay. Did I tell you this? No. So I'm adopted. Right. And when I met my biological mother, one of the very first things she said to me was, do you have the ability to pick up on spiritual things? And I was like, yes. Um, and she went on to explain that her grandmother, my great grandmother, was the village wise woman in their village in England. Okay. She was the one people went to not only for healing, but also for help. Right. Um, love spells, things like that. Like she was a witch, essentially the village witch. Um, and she had told my mother in her later years, my gifts will not go to any of you kids, my grandchildren. It will go to the firstborn of the next generation. And guess who that is? Huh. And since then, independently, right. I've had three separate people tell me, A, she's with me. Right. B, she's proud of me. Wow. And C, she's looking out for me. All right. Separately. Right. And people I respect. Yeah. With no prompting from me. I don't talk about this a whole lot. Of course. Well, of course, now I've just screwed up the whole deal. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, I kind of just accept it as it is what it is. And right. I don't really worry about it too much. But that's interesting that that's what you heard because it wouldn't surprise me if she's hanging out. Uh, and it sounded yeah to me like a woman's voice saying that's right. But I'm I'm curious to what know was I what talking about. You're talking about your blood sugar. Oh yeah, interesting. So I'm curious to know what our listeners think of that, what they think they heard, and uh, we're gonna take a quick break before we get to listener stories. And while the tunes are playing, yeah, have a little think and uh, let us know. I'd love to hear. We'll be right back.
welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is all listener stories. And, uh, I guess to start with, we had a, we both had a couple of weird little things happen in our own lives and the lives of people we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't you get us started? So, um, I've talked about him before. My friend Evan, who lives in a, quite a new house in a new suburb, uh, he's had a few weird things happen and he had another weird thing happen this time, not a noise, a sighting. A sighting. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, was sitting at the computer listening to our podcast poor guy late at night and he thought he saw something out of the corner of his eye right and he looked up the hallway and as he did he saw uh, a black shadow lean out from the bottom of the stairs oh man and look at him and then lean back in so he kind of froze for a second and then he thought oh it's one of the kids is right. up is you know so it's he gets up yeah it's the cat <laughs> so he gets up and he goes down the hallway no one's there so he goes upstairs checks on his kids they're fast asleep and, oh, man. and his wife, she's asleep too. And the irony was that his wife had just finished telling me, I believe it was the day before things really seem to have calmed down. I don't think there's anything else going on. Oh, <laughs> I swear that's, that's the curse. That is the curse. You curse yourself. So yeah, that wasn't so hot. And then the other thing that happened, I <laughs> and this scared me to death. Um, in the condo I'm currently living in, uh, I get up earlier than my host and I was crossing over to the bathroom to have my morning shower and the bedroom door popped open her bedroom door. I heard it unlatch. Oh, you heard it unlatch? Oh yeah. I heard the door handle cause I know the sound of the door handle. Right. I heard the door handle click, click. And then there was a beat and then the door opened very slowly just swung open oh and i was saying as i saw the door begin to open oh my god you scared the crap out of me and the door kept swinging open to nothing but darkness and your friend's still in bed yeah wow so i very um purposefully and manfully peed yourself ran straight to the bathroom shut the door yeah uh and when i came out again she had woken up she told me this after she had woken up thinking where's that light coming from that's weird why would Ian open my door? Wow. <laughs> she got up and shut the door. So I told her the next morning and uh, when I saw her, when I got back from work and she was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like Josh. Well, I, I told you that the couple times I've sort of, or that one time my house sat for you. Not comfortable. No. And, and it was over there in yeah. that corner where yeah. it was the worst. Well, I think it's very protective. Right. Um, I think he, whoever it is, puts up with me because I'm there with permission kind of thing. Or he knows me or he'd see me interact with my host. So he's okay with it. Uh, The only, she would tell me how he always calls the elevator for her. Right. Like she'll go out and lock the door and the elevator door opens for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The only time that ever happened for me was when I was going away for two weeks. So I think he was like, yeah, get you out, bastard. You bastard. Yeah, that's right. hit the bricks. Uh, so it's pretty funny. But so far he leaves me alone. However, I will say if I'm there by myself, I do turn the stove um, hood light on so that the condo isn't that's fair. completely dark. I, I couldn't stay there for very long myself. I stayed there long enough to feed the fish, water the plants, and GTFO. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was a very I'm okay there. I feel pretty comfortable. Right. But... I do turn that light on at night. So there you go. There's my two weird things for the week. So I didn't have much, um, not personally at least. The only thing that really even came close to happening was when I saw the new Pet Cemetery movie. How was that movie? I liked it. The people I saw it with did not. I, it's got real mixed reviews. Yeah. Um, uh, if you, I mean, if you're a patron, you'll hear me talk about it in our water cooler episode. Right. Uh, but um, I, I liked it. And so on the way home, uh, I thought the night seemed very off. Right. 
And I thought it was just sort of a residual after effect of me seeing a creepy movie. So I, I didn't think too much about it, but I was getting ready to go for a drive. And then I got a message from a friend of mine and my friend said, Hey, are you out? And I said, no, I'm kind of debating. I mean, part of me wants to just sit here and watch a movie or watch, just read a book or something. Right. But I kind of feel like ah, I'd like to go out into the world. And my friend said, well, uh, if you do go out, do me a favor and don't go over the bridge and don't go to Langford. Wow. And I said, okay, well, fair enough. And ultimately I, I just didn't bother going out at all, but right. I thought it was fascinating that I felt something wrong. And then I had this independently confirmed by someone who I had not told about this. Wow. And then a couple nights later I did end up in Langford yeah. and it felt pretty hairy. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very active. Huh. And of course, I mean, I'm not drawing a line between these two things because yeah. I, I think that would be irresponsible, but I am fascinated by the fact that the area where I was driving and where it felt the worst is where that young man went missing right. and then turned up in the lake yeah. a couple weeks later. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just and think. And we've talked about those. We have. Yeah. And again, I. Missing and I, ending up in lakes. I don't want to sort of exploit the death no. of someone for, for no. like entertainment, but. No. It's just kind of fascinating that that area, which I'm repeatedly drawn to and would never be alone in. No. I, I don't. And certainly don't get out of the car. N well, I see. It's funny you say that. I was going to. Oh, really? That, that night. Uh, Cause I, you know, I take pictures. I, yeah. I do night photography. Do it through the glass. Well, <laughs> yeah, I should have. Cause I, I, I had uh, my friend with me and I was just about to pull over and they said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I really want to get this one shot. And they said, don't, don't get out of the car. Don't you feel it? And I had low key felt it, but yeah. I was in that, that headspace where I thought, yeah. oh, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. But the fact that they also noticed it. Yeah. That's and kind of a big deal. Yeah. I said, okay, well, and again, this is literally the same place Wow, where this fellow disappeared. And, uh, again, I'm not saying the things are related, but nope. it's, it's just the kind of place where bad things can happen. Yeah. And so I, I sort of turned around and, and booted at home. Uh, so that, that was sort of my only real brush with weirdness, but, uh, a friend of mine who I, I can't really get into the specifics of their situation, but they are, um, staying sort of outside of the, their place for a while. And they have mentioned to me that they have felt someone in the entryway to the place where they're staying right now. Oh, wow. But they've been very clear about owning their space and right. saying, this is, you know, this is my space. This is your space. Yeah. Well, there's been a run of days the last little while that have felt really thin. The night has been very, it's just felt different out there. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a weather system moving through or what, but this friend of mine who is staying in this different accommodation than they're yeah. used to, they actually saw the thing by the door the other oh, night. Oh no. They heard a noise at the door. They thought it was their partner coming back from right. the shared bathroom. Right. Nope. It was a tall, slim, bald man in a blue suit with a white shirt and a black tie. And he stood there staring at them and they stared at him and they said, get out. This is my space. Get out. And he walked towards the door and faded away. Whoa. This is not a dream. This is not wow. waking up and seeing this. This is being wide awake going, oh, my partner must be back. Nope. It's someone who does not exist. Wow. It, yeah. 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 In yeah. the physical form. So that's about it as far yeah. as paranormal experiences go. Uh, but that's okay. Um, I'm not looking for more. No, no, that's it. Crazy. But enough of that. Let's get started with some listener stories. Yeah. This story is from Caroline. In 2004, my husband and I purchased 10 acres of land in a small town, North, North Carolina. 
The land had been cleared at some point in the past, and young pine trees planted later to be harvested. At some point prior to the harvesting of the trees, the landowner decided to sell the land to a group of developers, who then converted the large plot of land into individual lots. The land bordered a creek, and across the creek, my cousin had settled on a family farm. My husband and I were both excited to purchase a lot, which bordered the creek and also my cousin's property. When we explained to her the plot we'd purchased, she recalled how when she and her husband were dating, they would hike the property before the pines were planted, and that at one point, a home foundation stood on the property. We never really thought much about it, and we were just excited about being able to purchase some great property in a neighborhood where our children could grow up. Fast forward to 2008 when we started construction. It really moved quite quickly, and we were able to move in with our six children in early December. Now, I'm not sure exactly when the incidents began to happen, but within a few months, I started noticing some odd things in our home. The first consistent activity I would experience would happen in my closet. I would be in there either cleaning or hanging clothes, and I would hear someone calling, Mama. I would hear this very clearly, and at first I would head out to the rest of the house to see who was calling my name. No one ever admitted to it, and were usually engaged in another activity altogether. This has happened so many times over the years that I eventually just got used to it, and if my kid actually needed me, they would come find me eventually. Other incidents that were also occurring at this time would be something flashing past me, usually in my kitchen. Whatever it is, always small and red. It seems to be the size of a medium dog. Never really freaked me out. Again, I just got used to it. My husband likes to say he's a total skeptic and completely disregards the paranormal. Personally, I think it's because it doesn't fit into his narrative, and he's honestly a little scared of the idea. I really never said anything to him, and most importantly, didn't say anything to my kids so I wouldn't scare them. One day, my husband was in the kitchen with me, and he got very upset that someone had run up the stairs. He said, why are the kids running up the stairs? And up the stairs he went. Of course, when he got there, there was no one in the upstairs bonus room, and he came down upset that he couldn't find anyone. So I just said, well, what did it look like? And sure enough, he said it was red and small. So I did finally recount to him some of the things that I'd been experiencing. I still at this point hadn't told my kids, and of course, he just brushed the whole incident off. Within a few weeks, I was again cooking supper in my kitchen when my kids came running out of one of the bedrooms, a bit disheveled, describing a flashing light that was occurring in one of the girls' bedrooms. I did get upset, as I thought maybe someone was outside taking photos of my kids through the bedroom window. I went to investigate, and there were no lightning storms and no peeping toms. Finally, one of my kids just blurted out, I think we have a ghost in this house. I was a little shocked, because I hadn't recounted any of my experiences with them, but they too would see the little red blur out of the corner of their eyes. I've had a few experiences that were a little more frightening, however. One night, as I was trying to transition my youngest son, about three, from his crib to his big boy bed, when we were snuggling in his new bed, He'd fallen asleep, and I was just laying with him. I had my back to the room, debating whether I should leave the room or not, when I heard the strangest noise right behind my back. It sounded like a piece of paper or a sheet ripping in half. I jumped and looked behind me, but there was nothing. However, when I turned back to look at my son, he'd woken up and was laughing right in the direction of the sound. Yep, I got up and I took my son, and we both left that room. His bedroom seems to be the creepy room in the house. Another experience also involved that same young son. He was maybe four or five at the time. We had an open floor plan and a large bar in between the kitchen and our den. My husband, son, and I were in the den when my son said, What is Chloe, one of my daughters, doing in the kitchen? 
I looked over the bar and didn't see anyone. However, he insisted that Chloe was in the kitchen and he wanted to know what she was doing. I kept telling him Chloe wasn't in the kitchen, but he kept insisting she was there. Finally, I said, let's go see together. But once I said that, he emphatically said, nope, he wouldn't leave that den for nothing. I have no idea what he was saying, but I can assure you he wasn't seeing my daughter. The final incident I will share was very unusual. I travel for my job, and one Sunday night I was preparing for a Monday morning flight. The previous spring, my husband and I had installed security cameras, and one of those cameras is outside of a screen porch, which directly attaches to French doors in my bedroom and a deck to a fenced-in backyard. We also have two large windows that look out onto the deck with the screen porch opens up to. We had alerts on our security camera, and after I'd woken up around 1 a.m. that night, I got an alert on that particular camera off the screen porch. I watched the video and I was alarmed. It appeared to be someone leaving our screen porch and jumping off the deck. Our deck is low to the ground, so that's definitely possible. Never once that night did I think it was a spirit, but was concerned it was a peeping Tom. However, the person honestly looked like it was wearing a sheet and emitted a light. My husband told me not to worry about it and I went back to sleep. I thought that was a surprising reaction to the incidents, but did as he said. Monday morning, I left very early to catch the flight. And when I discussed it with my husband, I said, you know, it doesn't look like a person. Do you think it's our little ghost? Nope, he said, and he just wrote it off. I wasn't dropping the topic and decided I was going to recreate the incident when I returned home. No amount of attempts could I recreate that video. The object in the video honestly appeared to be a ghost with a sheet floating and creating its own light. It was crazy, and I know it was the ghost. I had startled it when I woke up. Unfortunately, although I thought I'd saved the video, it magically disappeared. Overall, we've had numerous other incidents. Sometimes it seems to pick on guests, and those guest items will disappear only to reappear in totally different locations, which are usually difficult to access. Once an iPad was lost and was later found zipped up in a piece of furniture. No idea how that happened. It did appear to be scaring my kids a bit, so I did go around the house and ask it to settle down, and it seemed to help. I did notice it would act up before my youngest son would come down with an illness. It was almost like it was giving us a forewarning that he was getting ready to be sick. I've recounted some of my stories to curious friends and colleagues over the years. They all asked the same question. Aren't you scared to live there? Nope, I say. It really is just more mischievous than anything. Sometimes I feel it's a bit protective of my son, and that I can live with. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about the idea of protector spirits yeah. and things that kind of look after you. And, and they kind of will latch onto a person in the house. Yeah. They identify with them. Or I'm thinking if the ghost said mama and it keeps appearing this way, I'm thinking it's a, a kid. Right. The spirit of a child and it identifies with his with her kid. I mean, the sheet thing is wild though. I'll, I'll be totally honest. If not for the other things, which are very much in line with yeah. things I've heard, the sheet thing would make me think, is this person messing with us? <laughs> The fact that it emits its own light, I'm wondering if it appeared to be a sheet, but it was just the way the video was tracking. Yeah. It would look like yeah. a streak, which could be interpreted as a as light. As a sheet, yeah. Or a sheet, yeah. Because, yeah, I was thinking... I, I agree a... with you, though. Yeah, the sheet, come on. <laughs> yeah. I have a story. Uh, it's one of the, the unmentionables, you know, the ones I can't tell until right. some people die. But uh, it involves a girl who glows. Oh, wow. And, uh, it, and it jives with some historical information I have from that particular area. Interesting. So the, the, the emitting light thing is, you know, it's legitimate phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, cool. Uh, no, that's great. Thank you very much, Caroline. Yeah, absolutely. This story is from Nixie. 
Before I begin with my stories, I want to say that I really love your podcast and it's one of the only things I listen to and I'm feeling especially down. Thank you honestly and please continue what you're doing. And, and ordinarily I wouldn't read that because I'm uncomfortable with praise. Yeah. But I just, it's really nice to know that we can help cheer someone up. Yeah, just I, by being their idiotic self. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's very nice. So it's, Brandon Ian, the best medicine. <laughs> it's a terrifying thought. <laughs> I have two stories for you. Here's the first one. I live in my grandma's house and ever since I was born, I hated it because of the negative energy my grandma brings into it. Unfortunately, because of her energy, she attracts negative entities into her house. Negative entities that really like to bother me. One night around 11, I was texting a friend of mine when suddenly I felt a tap on my arm. I thought this was my girlfriend. She has a tendency to astrally project to me by accident when she falls asleep, so I invited her into my space. I suddenly began to feel extremely tired, which is strange because a few minutes ago I was wide awake. I decided to go to sleep, and as I was falling asleep, began to experience sleep paralysis. This was no sleep paralysis I'd ever experienced before because as I slipped into it, I heard screaming by my ear and banging on my door. This went on until I shot up awake, but I brushed it off thinking it was just a nightmare, so I went back down. The same thing happened again. It happened four times after that. On the last time, I yelled out, leave me the fuck alone, and felt the presence leave. I fell back asleep, and then nothing happened. This second story happened almost a week ago. On Thursday, my mom picked me up from school to sleep over with her at a family friend's house, and she dropped me off back at my place on Friday afternoon. I was home alone because everyone was out running errands and such. I decided to stay in my room, but first needed to wash my sheets so I'd have something to sleep on later. The washing machine is in my grandma's bathroom, which is a room that makes me very uncomfortable, but this time it felt different, much heavier than it usually is. I started to wash as fast as I could and walked out, which is when I heard a distinctly muffled male voice coming from my parents' room, which used to be my room. Since I was freaked out, I said out loud, I'm going to call my mom after I shower. Then I walked into my room to grab clothes, placing my phone on my bed before doing so. As I was grabbing my shirt, I heard more muffled noise out in the living room. So I left it and went out to see who had come home. I found the door to the mudroom open, along with the back door and screen door, and as I approached, I heard a female voice say, She heard us. Obviously, I ran and closed the doors and bolted from my room. I decided to call my mom, but couldn't find my phone or the shirt I had grabbed anywhere. Finally, I admitted defeat and grabbed the home phone from the living room and called my mom. I then got the feeling to look on the couch, and under a blanket, there was my phone and my shirt neatly placed there. My mom started talking to me and helped me calm down enough to take my shower. And while I was in the shower, I heard my name being called. I think I've told this story on the show before, but a couple times back in my apartment, I've been nodding off at night. Right. And I've heard what sounds like two teenage girls talking hmm. in the living room. And what are they saying? Like, can you understand what they're saying? Well, one time they were discussing the movies on my shelf. Wow. And it was very, they were talking about a specific title. So it wasn't like oh, a, that's crazy. a general conversation. I believe that we're talking about the film, The Illusionist. And I don't remember what they were saying about it, but they were commenting on it. Wow. And of course, there's that story from the hospital where someone heard two young female voices talking over the intercom late at night. Yeah. About yeah. three patients. And uh, at least one of the patients died not long after. Yeah. So it's kind of fast. Whenever this turns up, I'm just fascinated by it. Well, and the fact that it's very obviously aware of her. Yeah, that's uh, and kind of interacting with her in a way. Yeah, that that's it too. Because these ones have been very much not sort of like uh, unaware, not unaware of us, but not caring about us. So I kind of have a story about that. 
that I haven't told before that reveals how stupid I was as a young kid. Great. Well, it was just to say thank you very much, Nixie. Thank you very much, And Nixie. we hope we can keep cheering you up. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Fire away. So I had a friend who had a haunted house in the middle of nowhere in Calgary. Um built on the side of a hill and it was one big long house like a ranch doll on the edge of this hill and she told me it had some weird things going on in it lots of noises and things so we were there by ourselves um down in her room which was at one end of the house and we could hear noises in the other end of the house and so she was basically like let's go get him and so we booked it to the it was quite a large house we booked it to the other end of the house and then we heard the noises in the opposite end of the house so we turn around and we ran back the other way we must have done this three or four times chasing the ghosts <laughs> how smart is that the last time Ian was brave and yeah, pretty much and finally we just sort of gave up right like we just they kept jumping around and I think we were pissing them off but now were they voices or just noises voices clunking thumping very much like someone was in the room you know doing things so then she's like I gotta go to the bathroom Okay, great. So she heads off to the bathroom. I'm sitting in her room, not feeling very brave. <laughs> and the next I hear, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, door slam. So eventually, so I go out there to see what's going on in the hallway. And I eventually coax her out of the bathroom. And what had happened was she had used the bathroom. She's looking down, tucking her shirt back in. And she opens the bathroom door and she sees a pair of black leather shoes dress pants and at that point she's like well that's not ian oh wow and she slammed the door with like oh my god oh my god oh my god um and she's like so then i finally talk her out and i'm like uh, and she said you know maybe we should just not chase them around maybe we should just leave them alone <laughs> and that was kind of the end of that ghost adventure <laughs> yes. ian's like never again never exactly never again leave them be Give them some respect. Our next story is from Anna. I have so many experiences I want to share with you, but don't want to bombard you with too much information in one email. Always bombard us. Exactly. Don't ever. We've had a few people say, oh, I'm sorry this is so long. No, no, no. Really, we don't mind. It's fine. It needs to be. I'll start with an experience I had while working at a dentist's office. The family who owned the practice was Vietnamese, and it's customary in the Vietnamese culture to lay out offerings to the dead ancestors. So every Friday night, just as we were closing down, the doctor's grandfather would place a huge bowl of candy in the reception area. Some weeks were chocolate, others were gummies, but it was always something different. The office was at one point closed to patients on Mondays, but I was always on schedule to work alone and prepare for the week ahead, pulling charts and printing schedules, etc. Being Vietnamese myself, I knew a little about the offerings and understood its meaning, but wasn't really into believing anything more than that. I would periodically some, see some of the other staff, family members eating candy that was stocked on the shelves in the break room, so I thought it would be okay to go ahead and take some myself. Boy, was I wrong. After a few weeks of taking candy from the shelves and straight from the sacrificial bowl, mind you, it was just an ordinary plastic trick-or-treat-like bowl, I believe the spirits there started to torment me. Feelings of being watched, hearing noises made me look over my shoulder quite often. There's a sound system in the back of the office that was connected to a little iPod. It would play typical office music, but there were other options as well, including what I would call Michael Jackson-era music. I decided one Monday that this was what I was going to listen to. Into the third song, I heard a child's laughter. 
I've listened to this kind of music plenty of times and never heard a child's laughter in any of the songs that played. I wrote it off, but was really freaked out by it. I told my sister about it, and she said that maybe one of the songs did contain a child's laughter, because apparently that era of music was weird. I didn't believe this explanation at all. Sometimes I would be behind reception pulling charts and would see the tail end of a woman's white dress. Other times I would hear a woman talking near the doctor's personal back office. I could never make out words, but it was always faint and muffled. This experience freaked me out the most. The doors in the front where patients would enter make a distinct noise. I kept these doors locked at all times when I was alone. One day I was in the back pulling charts, and it sounded like someone was trying to break in, shaking on the locked door so hard, noise and vibrations radiated through the entire office. So I ran to the door to see who it was. Nothing. No one standing there, no other cars in the parking lot but my own. It wasn't even windy that day, and I made sure to check. I told the doctor's husband about it, and he wrote it off. Of course, to the wind, and that perhaps it was blowing against a nearby billboard outside the office. All I knew was that this needed to stop. I didn't want this torment to continue and sure as hell didn't want anything following me home. <laughs> Good point. So one morning I stepped into the office and I said out loud that I was sorry for taking the candy. I promised to not take it anymore and I'm just here to work. I didn't hear or see anything again. However, there were moments of feeling like something was watching me and I would find myself looking over my shoulder, but nothing else. Word of advice, though, don't be a dick and don't take candy from dead people. That seems wise. I think that's solid advice. I mean, I think don't take candy from anyone. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like that old that old phrase, always be nice to elderly gentlemen in foreign hotels because they always turn out to be the king of Sweden. <laughs> don't take candy from anyone. Don't take candy from Because if they can't haunt you, they might just hit you. And true. Or exact a price far greater than you're willing to pay. That's from a movie trailer I'm just coming up with right now. I see. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us, Anna. I mean, it's interesting that the muffled voices thing kind of lines up with Nixie's story. Yeah. You know, and I'm fascinated by the concept of offerings. Oh, and the cultural, I love the cultural overlay of this because, again, I think it comes down to intentionality. Oh, yeah. You're putting out an offering to the ancestors. There's a good chance they're going to come and... Well, Except it, and if not the ancestors, something else that can pull from that energy thing. from that. Yeah, 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 from from that that intention. Definitely. I mean, it makes me think of the times we've talked about leaving milk out for fairies, right? You know, for the fae, right? And how other animals will not disturb that milk, no, because they know. Yeah, and one of our stories that we tell um, on the ghost tour about Chung uh, in the hotel kitchen, where it's a restaurant kitchen today. Um, and they always have to leave out a little shot glass of beer and a small dish of rice. Uh, and if they don't, the kitchen is just tormented. Really? Yeah. But if they put one out every night, a little shot glass of beer and a little bit of rice, everything's fine. Interesting. That, yeah. That's very similar to my friend and their their cat. Remember I told you their cat passed on. Right. And if they don't fill up its water glass, yes. they, it will be knocked onto the ground in the morning. That's pretty wild. And there's no, uh, there's no cat in the apartment. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. So th thank you again, Anna. Yeah. This story comes from John. Let me start by saying that I love the show and I'm more than happy to continue being a patron for as long as it goes on. Well, thank you, John. Yay. If we you love wanna, John. We sure do. <laughs> if you want to be a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We'll talk about that more in the C segment. I'm still playing catch up and I'm about to delve into the mythical dream episode. I was going to wait until it was all caught up before sharing my personal experiences, 
but something happened last weekend that was the creepiest thing I have ever had happen to me. We live in a small condo that frequently goes through spells of serious activity followed by months where nothing happens. There are some definite hot spots in this place, with the kitchen seeing most of it. Items thrown, frequent growls and disembodied voices. Last weekend we had our grandkids over for the night. Our five-year-old, from out of nowhere, started talking about ghosts and telling us that even though she sees and hears things, she knows they aren't real. Spooky, but that's not the cap of the story. As we are getting them settled down before bed, we put on a movie and turn off all the lights. Little Miss Ghosty McGhostface is sitting beside me on the couch, but she keeps looking towards the kitchen. I'd given her a little flashlight to play with earlier, and she starts to shine that thing down in the direction of the kitchen. This goes on for a few minutes before she casually says to her sister, Hey, let's go check out the kitchen to see who it is that's bothering us. My blood ran cold, but I forced myself not to make a big deal out of it. My wife has always been sensitive, so perhaps it's no surprise that it has been passed on down. Still, that doesn't make me feel any better about going to the kitchen to microwave a burrito when I'm home alone. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> it reminds me, someone suggested to us we should do an episode about uh, creepy things kids say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, man, I think that would be great. Oh, my goodness, yes. They do, because they're still so plugged in to the spiritual world. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. No, that was great. Thank you, John. This next story comes from Kate. My name is Kate. I'm 23 years old, and I'm a student about to graduate from a university in Kentucky. Kate included more identifying details. We try to take those out just for reasons of safety and privacy. My junior year of college, I was assigned a random roommate, Sydney. Sydney was kind and smart, but also very sensitive to the paranormal. She'd grown up with a ghost in her house to which she and her mom both communicated. She often had dreams of people speaking about her current friends and would give said friends messages only to find out they had long been deceased. In the first eight months of living with her, I had never experienced anything. However, one night in our last month of living together, that changed. We had stayed awake well past our normal time, watching bad reality television and joking about our upcoming finals week. Finally, around 1.30am, we chose to turn the lights out and go to bed. In this specific dorm, each room had one window, two beds, desks, closets, and a sink. We did not have a restroom, though. The restrooms are communal on each floor. On this particular night, I startled awake just before 3 a.m. I was alarmed, considering Sydney and I had pretty much exhausted ourselves and had planned on sleeping in the next morning. I had been facing the door on my right side, but opted to roll over to my left, facing the window. When I rolled over, I found Sydney next to me, eye to eye. She was crouched, next to my bed. Inches from my face, she whispered, Kate, do you see it? I mumbled something along the lines of, See what? When she put her finger to her mouth, shushing me, and motioned to the window. That. Do you see the shadow? I followed her motion to a space in front of the window. Sure enough, there stood a large, looming shadow. Its head seemed too small for its shoulders. The arms were long, with its hands reaching around where its knees would be. Its legs were shorter than a human, but it stood very tall. I didn't take my eyes off it. Shocked, I stared at the shadow as it stared at me. It did not feel humanoid whatsoever, but I felt compelled to consider it male. It looked very out of place, head nearly scraping the ceiling. As I tried to understand what exactly it was, it took three or four steps towards my bed, then slowly reached out a hand. Just as its hand touched the post, the door swung open, the light from the hallway shining into the inky black room. In walked Sydney. I looked at Sydney, the fluorescent lights of the hallway almost blinding me, and I glanced quickly at the foot of my bed, the shadow now gone. I glanced back to where I had seen Sydney crouch by my bed, and she was also gone too. There was no possible way for her to have gotten from one place to the other. Sydney, still in the doorway, asked me, Hey, you okay? 
I'm sure I look crazy, disheveled from sleep and wild-eyed with fear. I told her something weird had happened and I wasn't ready to talk about it. She came into the room, locking the door, and I turned on my small bedside lamp before we both went back to bed. I convinced myself it was a nightmare and went back to sleep. A week or so later, Sydney asked to talk with me before we went off to class. Kate, do you remember that night a while ago when I walked in the door and you looked like you were freaking out? I told her I did, and she continued. I was freaking out too. I had woken up about 15 minutes before you, and it felt like something was staring at me. But this time I didn't see anything. So I was scared and decided to go out to the restroom and then hang out in the hall until I could calm down. When I was washing my hands, I got this overwhelming feeling that you were in trouble. I can't really explain it, but it felt like alarm bells. I took off running down the hallway and got to our door. Right as I opened it, I saw something dark push out of our window. Needless to say, she confirmed my fears that it was not a nightmare, and we were both petrified for the next couple weeks. We ended up saying prayers together and asking for guidance from whatever force of light she has following her. We never saw the shadow again. My best guess is that she somehow projected her spirit to me unknowingly, making me wake up and acknowledge the shadow. I felt no fear of her, besides the initial shock of seeing her so close to my bed. The shadow, however, felt overwhelmingly gloomy and dark. Nothing good could have come of it if it had come closer. That I'm sure. My friends and I have had various other encounters with spirits of some sort on this campus. Things like closing doors, elevators being called when no one is there, names being whispered, lights being toyed with. I'm unsure if it comes from the fact that I'm in an art department surrounded by people broadcasting their emotions and vulnerability, or if this area is just ripe with supernatural energy. Regardless, I'm more than happy to share these stories if you're interested. And yes, please do. We We're would, always interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we would love to hear those. And, and I think it's probably a combo. You think so? Yeah. Of the emotions and the vulnerability and the energy being poured out. And the fact that most universities have some weird stuff going on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, the shadow thing, that's so textbook shadow person. Yep. You know, and scary as hell. Well, and, and having it feel overwhelmingly gloomy and dark. Yeah, that's it. There, yeah. I mean, it seems to be a, one of the few common threads. I, I mean, not everyone has that experience, but right. by and large, yeah. that's the experience of shadow people. I forgot to mention on the story about the security camera, I just remembered, uh, pardon me, I should say, thank you for the story, Kate, and please do uh, send us your other experiences. We'd love to hear them. Uh, but on the story about the house with the, the ghost captured yeah. on film, I was listening to the Movie Crypt podcast last night, and they interviewed the actress Lydia Hurst, who is married to Chris Hardwick. Oh yeah. And I guess they live in a haunted house and oh. he's very much a skeptic, but they have captured apparently on their security cameras, a number of things like doors unlocking and opening things moving just slightly chairs kind of moving, but he still is resolutely, no, there's gotta be a reason, <laughs> which I find fascinating. And of course there's always that thread. The husband just doesn't want to deal with I it. I don't get it. I just don't understand that. Whereas I'm, bring me more ghosts. <laughs> I can deal with this. Throw them on the pile. You want me to fix something? Nope. No, no way. You're boned. But you got ghosts, <laughs> honey, I'm right you there. You got a burned out light bulb? Call the landlord. That's right. <laughs> okay, I'm not quite that useless. Oh, well, that's good. This story's from Jim. And just before we start, we should mention that uh, Jim is from Pennsylvania. And, uh, Where all the creepy stories come from. It's really true. <laughs> so the Brandywine Valley is in, I believe, eastern Pennsylvania. That's where I sort of had that strange experience of feeling like I'd been there in a past life. Yeah, kind I remember of thing. that. And so uh, this, just wanted to say, that that's where the Brandywine Valley is as we go into this next story. Regarding missing people in the Brandywine Valley, there's the Twin Tunnel and the un unsolved murder that is tied to that place. It's a sad story, and it lies along my bicycle commute to and from work. 
I've never experienced anything off in the tunnels in the early morning hours, even though everyone swears they're haunted. Fire up the bullshit detector for those stories. <laughs> but I did have a weird moment one very foggy morning, about a mile south of the tunnels, where I almost ran into a silent man standing in the road. I apologized to the guy, but honestly, it was a bit unsettling. He never spoke, he never moved, and he didn't really acknowledge my presence as I almost ran into him. Visibility was maybe 15 to 20 feet, and he appeared out of the mist and then faded right back into the mist as I pedaled past him. He was standing still, and I never got a clear look at him. Part of me wonders about that. I'll be honest, I don't really don't know if I saw a ghost, but he certainly wasn't a morning jogger. He may have been walking and then he stopped, but it was a very odd, eerie, silent encounter. In any event, that's the vibe of the Brandywine River Valley sometimes, but you need to get up early in the morning to get that experience. Creepy. Yeah, big time. Uh, that reminds me of the time I was driving in the desert. Uh, this is back in 2010 or 20, 2011. Right. Uh, when I went down to write about the uh, Mr. Olympia uh, competition. Right. So I drove down to Vegas and then drove home. And at one point I was driving through the desert and there was just an old man walking on the median. Wow. I, it was the middle of the desert. He didn't signal. He didn't. And honestly, maybe I should have stopped, but I, I just thought I saw him there. He was just walking. It's like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Right. I, I, for some reason it didn't think about it too much. Right. But he was just this old man in the middle of literally middle of nowhere in the blazing heat of the sun and just comfortably tootling along. Wow. So who knows? So was he really there? Was he a dementia patient? <laughs> like, who That's knows? It. Who yeah. knows? But I, I don't wow. know where he could have come from because no. for him to be out there, he, he was always out there. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So Jim, you, you and me, we got the same problem here. The next one's from Heather, who also sent us a dream story, which we're saving for a future dream episode, which I can now say with confidence will actually happen at some point because we already did one. Ha ha. We broke the curse. The story came to mind because of the ghost in the machine episode. And I had not thought of this in years. I was about 13 or 14 at the time and had a friend staying overnight. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, so being young and full of energy, we were still up doing whatever it was we were doing in those days. My bedroom was in the second floor of our house, with my parents downstairs watching television. My friend and I were listening to a CD, Whitesnake, if memory serves. <laughs> I had never had any problems with the CD, but all of a sudden the music stopped dead and a weird voice came out of my stereo. Needless to say, we were both freaked, but I had the presence of mind to look out my window, which was open, to see if a neighbor had been outside. Of course not. Their house was completely dark, and I assumed they'd gone to bed. After realizing that there was no one outside that could have spoken, we went downstairs to tell my parents, who naturally tried to say that it must have come from outside. This also happened one other time with the same stereo, only while we were listening to the radio. At least that's easier for us to write off than it was when it was a CD playing. Huh. Yeah. A friend of mine used to live in Newfoundland. Right. It was in a housing development. Everyone called the base for some reason. I don't know why. But her, I think it was the, the stereo would right. turn on oh. to static from nothing. Wow. You'd be sitting there watching a movie and all of a sudden behind you the static, the stereo came on full blast to static. <sighs> right? That wouldn't be cool. No, man. That's that scare me to death. That's not great. Wow. So that is, that is creepy. Thank you, Heather. This story is from Josh, and Josh sent us a couple stories, but uh, the latter story we're going to save for the end of the show. Cool, because it's that good. Yes, exactly. With the exception of one particular time, my stories are about a protective spirit. My name is Josh, and I grew up in Billings, Montana, where my sister and I went through some weird experiences in our childhood home. 
Both of my parents worked late into the afternoon, so my sister and I walked home from school and would have a bit of time to ourselves before they got home. During one of those afternoons, my parents were a bit late getting back, and we were supposed to make ourselves dinner, but the oven just wouldn't turn on. We were both a little confused, but more so relieved that we could just have cereal for dinner. We never got the chance, though, because we both had the sudden urge to go outside to the porch and wait for our parents to get home. When they did, they were very confused and brought us inside. They actually smelled gas, but we hadn't at all. Still, we got a hotel for the night and had the gas guy check our stove. Sure enough, there was a gas leak. My sister and I were relieved that even though we hadn't smelled it ourselves, there was something looking out for us. Another time in that home, it was after school and my sister had just gotten into the shower, so I was stealing her snacks from the pantry. On my way into the kitchen, however, I felt like I'd run into someone and actually heard something say, excuse me, young sir. He sounded a little annoyed, but patient as I was just a kid. I called out to my sister and asked if she had heard anything, but she said no and told me she'd heard him too. From then on, we dubbed him Harold, and he helped us here and there until we moved away. I now live in a small city in Arkansas. It's in the Northwest, so don't worry, no banjos here. (laughs) I've I've never really been to Arkansas. I've driven through it on the interstate. I can tell you a very embarrassing fact about Arkansas. I used to think Arkansas and Arkansas were two separate places. Aha. That's embarrassing. That would be, yes. Yeah. Sorry well, about that, Arkansas it, people. It doesn't help with Texarkana, because that kind of makes it sound like... Right? Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's Kansas and Arkansas. I had no idea. <laughs> like North Dakota and South Dakota. Who knew? It just makes sense. Yeah, it did. Just last Friday, I was woken up late at night by a severe shaking in my bed. I woke up my girlfriend who was sleeping near me, and apparently she'd felt nothing. This didn't surprise me if she could sleep through anything, but I was still a little confused, so I checked to see if there had been any earthquakes nearby, but that wasn't it either. The next day my parents called me, upset because there had been an earthquake near our old home that had caused it to go up in flames. We had moved towns a while before that so no one was in danger, but I can't shake the feeling that Howard was letting me know the house was on fire. I've had some severe grief since then and couldn't quite place it until I recalled him and the way he protected us. I called my sister and she said she'd felt the shaking and the grief as well. I'm not sure if Howard is okay, but I know damn well that he knows we're all safe. That's, I mean, aside from the grief, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I I do like the protector stories. Yeah, they are the best. And I think Harold knew what he was doing and looking out for them, and I don't think he's ever let them go. Oh, interesting. You think he's kept tabs? Absolutely, 100%. Ah. Which is why he would want to let them know that their house was not doing so hot. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it was quite hot, but yeah, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. Next story is from Rebecca. I'm Rebecca, and I live in a small farm town in Wisconsin, the Dairy State. I started listening to your podcast about three years ago. Yeah, this is our third year. Is it really? Yeah, man. We just had our second anniversary. This is technically year three. Oh, my God. Don't think about it too much. (laughs) Don't think about how much time we've spent alone in a room. (laughs) Sweating. I started listening to your podcast about three years ago, mainly because I was procrastinating doing some papers or class my freshman year of college, like I'm doing right now, writing you this email. I love that. I'm sorry for the length of this email. Never apologize. But I have a few stories to share. Here's the order of my sisters and I so you don't get confused. R is the oldest sister, M the second oldest, and then there's me. Our house was built around the 1920s, and we know it has two ghosts. One in the house, S, who owned the farm, and one in the barn slash shop, E, who rented the barn when S died of a heart attack. E later died of a heart attack as well. Too much dairy. Wisconsin. (laughs) The person who my parents bought the house from was married to S, and my parents actually asked her if the house made any weird noises when she lived in it. She told them that S 
was always a loud man. He walked loud and slammed the cabinet doors. There's also a theory that there's a little girl at our house as well. My sister, R, was cleaning the upstairs bathroom when she saw a girl with long, flowing blonde hair run into N's room. R, thinking that Nell was trying to play a prank on her because everyone knows that R is super jumpy and scares easily, tells N to come out of her room and to not scare her because she isn't having it. Little did R know that N was outside feeding the donkeys and the horse. We added a Mustang to our herd in 2012, and I was downstairs taking a shower. So here is R freaking out in the bathroom because no one's answering her. And when I finally come upstairs, she has a crazy look in her eye and asks me to go into N's room and find her. I look at R weird and tell her that N has been outside since we got done eating dinner. And by this time, it was around 8 p.m. R tells me she just saw a girl run down the hallway into N's room. R didn't believe me that N was outside until she heard N walk up the stairs to get something from her room. Once when N was a baby and mom was feeding her, my mom was just about to doze off when she heard something coming up the stairs. It was too early for my dad to come home for lunch, but she called his name anyway. There's no answer. She then called him and asked him where he was. He was in Madison, a 30-minute drive away, and she demanded he come home and check the house for any intruders. Mom waited outside with N for Dad to come home, and when he did, they looked through every closet, room, underneath beds, everywhere someone could hide. No one was there. The next time something notable happened was a couple years later when N was sitting in her high chair and my mom is yet again feeding her. Mom noticed N smiling and waving at something near the refrigerator. She asked why, and N said, the man. Mom then asked her what the man looked like, and N mentioned he wore a baseball cap, bib overalls, had longish hair that he can tuck behind his ears. Days later, Mom got to talking to one of the old neighbors and described what my sister had said. The neighbor went pale and told Mom she just described S and then walked away and hasn't really talked to us since. I should also mention that we have never seen pictures of S. Another story involves both of my parents and truly made my dad believe that there are spirits. Finally, a convert. <laughs> One night, they were both woken from a dead sleep by a loud bang that sounded like a heavy bookcase falling. <laughs> I've experienced that. Thinking one of us had fallen out of bed, he decided to climb or decided to climb our dresser. They checked on all three of us, but we were all sound asleep. They then looked in the attic to see if there was anything that could have fallen over upstairs, but all the attic contained was cobwebs, dust, and dead bugs. Mum looked at my dad and said, Now do you believe me? One more story from my mom. She was working on some wood in the barn slash shop at midnight with our two dogs, Franklin and Nilnarf. Franklin spelled backwards with a silent K. All of a sudden, both dogs fluffed up and they started growling at a corner in the shop for no apparent reason. Mom said, fuck this shit, <laughs> quietly exited the shop and made a beeline for the house. My story happened on a cold fall night when I was going to go collect the chicken eggs, and I thought that I had to give the donkeys their hay for the night too. The chicken house used to be the old milk house, and it connected to the barn so it was across the yard. I was in middle school, so by the time I got my homework done, it would be pitch blackout. We have a light that turns on once it's dark out, but it isn't very bright. It takes about two minutes to get to the chicken house, taking your time walking, but 30 seconds running. I was on my way back from the chicken house, basket full of eggs, when I saw out of the corner of my eye a human figure with a Stetson-like hat. I turned to look and saw that he, it, is all black, and I book it to the house. No eggs were lost because I had perfected the art of running with only one arm moving after being chased by the rooster while carrying hay in the other arm. Anyway, I didn't fully comprehend what I saw that night until I listened to your Shadow People episode, so thank you. 
Oh, I don't know. Is she really thankful? Well, I guess if you... you, you now you know, that's I guess. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that makes sense. Thanks so much to uh, Rebecca for that story. Yeah. And I mean, that does kind of sound like a hat man experience. Definitely. But it's a dairy farm in Wisconsin. Yeah. It could legitimately be a, f- a cowboy. Of, yeah, that's yeah. true. True enough. Ah, Wisconsin. I did laundry there once. <laughs> I thought you went to a wedding there. No, that was in Minnesota. All right. Isn't that the same place? They're next door. <laughs> Yeah, but really, I mean, if you're driving. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wisconsin's the dairy state. What's Minnesota? Land of a thousand lakes. Oh. This one comes from Justine. My husband's biological mother passed away when he was four. I knew this when we first started dating, but I didn't know what she looked like or any details about her, only that she had died. When I started staying overnight at his house, I would have these dreams about a woman who would always talk to me about him, and it took me a few days to figure out who it was. When I finally told him about it, he showed me a photo of her, and sure enough, it was her. My husband is very much a skeptic, and after I told him about those dreams, they changed a bit, and she would usually be sitting up in a tree, but only I could see her no matter how much I would point and tell him she was right there. I think it was just her way of telling me she's always going to be hanging around. Next story. My husband used to live in this creepy old condo that always had a weird vibe to it. Just to give you an idea of the layout, if you enter the kitchen from the back door, the living room is on the left, and then down the long hallway was the bedrooms. One day I was there alone, out back smoking, and when I went inside I saw a man standing by one of the bedrooms. My first instinct was, oh shit, someone broke into the house. So I grabbed my phone, looked back, and the guy was gone. Then I thought, fuck this, and waited outside until my husband got back when I told him what happened, and he said, oh, that was just probably George. A little backstory here. One day that previous summer, my husband was driving home from work, stuck in traffic listening to some 60s psychedelic band with his windows down, and this old hippie guy randomly just gets into his car and says he loves this band. So my husband, being the type of guy who thinks there's no evil in the world, offers this guy a ride home. They happen to live super close, and they become good friends, playing guitar together and smoking pot and whatnot until the guy dies, because he's in his 80s. Back to the story, my husband tells me about his friendship with George and how he still keeps in touch with his sister and how he was given his favorite guitar after George died, which he mounted outside his bedroom. He would also see the rocking chair start moving every time he played guitar, so I think, okay, this guy's cool and just wants to hang out with us. Over the next few months, we start to find piles of pennies placed all over the house. Since there's three of them living in the house and I'm over almost every day, everyone just assumes it was someone else. One day, the four of us are just hanging out talking and I mention the pennies to the roommates. They think it's us, we think it's them. Basically, all of us just say, well, that's weird. A couple months go by, and the roommates leave without any notice one weekend, when my husband and I were out of town. My husband decides to change the locks because we feel like something sketchy is going on. Turns out, both roommates were heavy into drugs, which we found out about after they left from some very angry drug dealers who came by looking for them. I think George was trying to protect us while the roommates were getting into some bad shit. After all that was done, the penny stopped. We would still hear footsteps walking over top of us when we were in the basement and occasionally feel like someone was sitting on the couch with you. I finally learned to just say out loud, George, you can stay, but you're freaking me out a bit. And I would instantly feel way better. We've moved since then and we don't hear anything from George anymore, which does make me a little sad. My mom and I have discussed it and we think my dad's grandmother's spirit has has attached herself to my dad. My mom would see an old woman watching her from the top of the stairs when her and my dad were first dating, and my dad had lived in the house that was given to him and his brother from their grandmother after she died. My parents have a balcony that looks down into their living room. Sounds fancy, but more like a tacky late 90s balcony. And every single cat we've ever had would stare up there, and it would always feel like someone was watching you from up there. I've been in an apartment where they had this. Why the hell 
would you have a balcony from the living room down in, or from the bedroom down in the living room? Um, that was the thing. Was that like the, the mooning platform? <laughs> yeah. No, it was the thing. I remember that in other houses built in that era, the late nineties tacky balcony. That was the thing you had. That was the era when the great room became a thing. Okay. So they would build these giant two story houses, but the great room was like separated. Like it, it was like just, it was both. Um, floors floors of the house and the bedrooms you'd go up the stairs and they'd kind of be off but the master bedroom was usually banked back around and to kind of make use of the light coming into the great room they would put like patio doors there because you couldn't just put a window there right so they would put sort of like French French doors it's and then so weird oh it's very weird and it's very useless and, and, and ugly but it was a thing. All right. I stayed in an Airbnb in LA once. And it was like that? Yeah. The, yeah. the master bedroom, she, the, the woman who owned the place, she lived up there. And then tenant bedrooms were right. the ground floor. Oh. It was just bizarre. I'd... She could spy on you like some kind of overseer. <laughs> well, she was quite lovely. And oh. uh, so I think she, she had it all quite securely blocked off. Right. Because I think the opposite would very possibly happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Luli. Quite the lady. But getting back to Justine's story. The two of us would hear the door leading into the garage close quite frequently, and then we would smell a very strong scent of old lady perfume. The TV in my bedroom also really liked to turn on by itself, full volume, always on static. The freakiest thing was when I was 19. I woke up in the middle of the night to what I thought was my mom standing beside my bed watching me sleep. This woman was tall, wearing a long red nightgown, and had long dark hair. I don't remember seeing anything distinguishable about her face, but my mom is five feet and has always had short hair and never, ever wears red. I was really confused when I woke up to this woman standing there and attempted to ask her, who I still thought was my mom, why she was watching me sleep when it finally clicked it wasn't her. I started to freak out and try to scramble to my light switch and she just moved along my bed and out the door. Well, that is creepy as hell. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you so much, Justine. This story's from Sarah. I wanted to share some stories from my family. Most of the ghost stories we have revolve around deceased family members visiting the living, like my maternal grandfather appearing to his grandchildren, some in the Philippines and some in the States, just as he passed. I've always lamented the fact that I've never had one of these experiences, but my mother has always maintained that as the baby of a large generation of cousins, none of my grandparents wanted to scare me. My first story happened to my father. He grew up on a farm in the province of Nueva Ecija in the Philippines. Brent, did I say that right? Don't worry about it. Okay. My grandfather built the family home, which still stands today. It's one of my favorite places to visit when we return home because my grandfather had built ledges into the glassless, because it's the friggin' tropics, windows. I found out that I can sit in them with a book and feel content. Nighttime on the farm is a peaceful affair. There are lizards in the trees calling out to one another, and there's the occasional breeze that blows to their house. On one such evening, my sister was sleeping on the only bed in the room our family occupied, and she had a pretty fucked up spider bite on her leg, and my mom and I slept on a banag, a mat woven from leaves on the floor. I just have to say there has been the F word in the last three stories. We did not put those in there. <laughs> We'd never fucking do that. No. So, Robin, before you send me an email about swearing, these are contextual and they're in the story. Okay, just so we're clear. All right. Um, those fuckers. <laughs> Okay, Brennan. No, stop. <laughs> My father, on the other hand, sat in a chair in the corner of the room, which overlooked the dimly lit dirt road below. 
On any normal night, there are escals, street dogs, wandering around scavenging for food and leftovers, but they rarely cause any trouble and mostly keep to themselves. On this particular night, my dad reported that the escals were abnormally agitated. They began running up and down the streets, growling, snarling, and snapping at something that my father could not yet see. From one of those ledges I mentioned, he was able to get a better look down the road. A white, misty figure was gliding, just above the ground towards our home. My dad said that from what he could see, it was certainly in the form of a human. And as it drew closer to the house, the figure came more into focus. It was a man wearing a traditional woven formal wear and slacks. It eventually settled itself outside the house and stared up at the window where my father sat. At this point, either my sister, my mom, or myself made a sound that made my dad turn his head. And when he looked back out the window, the figure was gone. I largely tried to keep a rational mind. For God's sake, my favorite line from Ghostbusters is, Back off, man, I'm a scientist. But I'm inclined to believe my father because he is the man who makes up fanciful stories. He also tries to find rational explanations for things before letting his mind wander to topics such as ghosts. In this instance, he believes his father, who died in his early 30s and left his wife with five kids and a farm, came for a visit, possibly knowing his American granddaughters were sleeping in his home. The next day, we repaid the visit by driving to the cemetery where he was buried. That's really cool. That is really cool. I love that. And I'm so glad I was able to pronounce all those difficult words. You nailed it. Thank you. No perfect. Yay. Thank you so much, Sarah. This story comes from Emily, and we actually described her in a previous episode as Doggy Daycare Lady because she yes. forgotten to mention her name. She didn't say her name in the email. <laughs> so that that is who this is. Emily says... So I currently work at a newly opened doggy daycare in Plymouth, Wisconsin, but the building is also used by a moving company, both run by the same guy. Even before he bought it, it was a moving company and the secretary who's been working there has some stories. She's usually there the latest and she hears loud bangs and crashes all the time, but when she investigates, nothing has fallen over. She also sees shadows moving out of the corner of her eyes, which could just be her psyching herself out. The main thing is the back warehouse. She'll hear loud talking, conversations, footsteps, like some of the movers are still hanging out and talking or messing around. But when she checks, everyone has been gone for hours, and all the doors are locked tight. In the winter, you can't even get through the back door, and her office has a window looking out to the front hallway, so no one would get in without her seeing. I've been there later than everyone else a couple times. I haven't seen or heard anything, but I don't stick around after the last dog goes home. I make sure the doors are locked and clock out. Now, update. I was the last person there the other night with one tiny dog who was sleeping. I was hearing rumbles and thumps, which could have been cars passing by, so I ignored it. Then I heard someone say my name. It was like a whisper shout, the kind of thing you do trying to get your friend's attention, inconspicuously. I spun around immediately, but obviously no one was there. Then, after the final dog was gone, I was wandering around, picking up toys and tidying up, and realized I heard voices coming from the warehouse area, right off the playroom. I couldn't make out the words, but it sounded like a quiet conversation. Lucky me, I have to leave out the back way, through the warehouse as the front door gets locked from the inside. Well, when I opened the door, everyone was gone, but all the lights were on, including the motion sensor light, which only turns on when you're passing right in front of it, as I've learned from a few stumbles in the dark. No one else goes through the back besides the movers, who had all been gone for at least two or three hours, and me leaving. I know that light isn't hooked up to the same switch as the normal lights, because when I turned them off, the motion lights stayed on. So I'm officially working in a haunted building. 
I'm chill with it. As long as whatever is there stays chill with me. Be a good policy. Yep. Don't be freaked out by it. Don't try and chase it away. Just Nope. Just roll with it. Live and let live. Yep. Or live and let not live. Yeah. I'm, that's a very yeah, complicated that's one. It's complicated. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's... She, I agree with her. I think she's definitely uh, working on hundred percent. Well, that used to happen in my old apartment building. That's right. When I lived in Revelstoke. Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I lived above the grocery store, I, cause my boss, my two bosses would stay, drink beer and shoot the shit downstairs yeah. in the staff room. And I would hear them sometimes two or three in the morning drinking. And some nights I'd say, man, you guys were up late the next morning when I saw them and they'd say, what do you mean? And I said, well, I heard you drinking and talking and walking around. And they said, no, no, we left. Right after we close up at eight thirty. Yeah. And so what did they say when you said that? They just kind of shrugged it off. Really? Yeah. It wasn't until, it really wasn't until we were robbed, right? That things changed and oh. that they became more aware. So tell me about the story of getting robbed. Well, I wasn't there for it. Um, it was actually because uh, it was a family business. Yeah, so it was, I know. It was yeah. my mother and my sister yeah. working. And this guy came in with a ski mask on. So it was like an armed robbery, not like an after hours kind of Oh, thing. no, no. He had a gun. Oh, shit. I mean, there's some suspicion it may have been a replica or whatever, but... It, that he, would mess up the energy, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big time. My mother was working. My sister was at oh the computer God. at the back of the aisle, so he didn't see her. But, yeah, he took the money, and, and that was that. Your poor mom. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a bad scene. And mm. one of our... Actually, one of our customers who was, I kid you not, a uh, mental health professional actually walked in the next day or the day after and went, hey, stick him up. <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh, I tore a strip off that man like you can't what imagine. What an idiot. Again, this, he, he literally, I think he's a counselor or a therapist. Not a good it one. Was, no, no, he's a very, <laughs> very, very bad at his job. You should put your feelings way down deep. Yeah. Don't acknowledge them. them it's fine. They'll go away. Man. But anyways, yeah. So um, that's when things really started to change. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was haunted when I lived there. As, yeah. As you'll yeah. discover if you read my book, A Strange Little Place, available Ugh. everywhere fine books are sold. So I talk about my experiences there, but the experiences continued after I moved out. Yeah. And the people in the store, yeah, we started, I mean, my mother started seeing someone standing in a corner. I became very uncomfortable in certain spots and the energy just shifted. I wonder if, um, it attracted something negative or the store was more now hostile towards people in general. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, uh, anyways, yeah. So it just reminded me of that. So cool. thank you for sharing that Emily. And yeah, we're glad we know your name now. Yeah. You're not the doggy daycare lady anymore. <laughs> this one's from Selena. My grandmother was an amazing woman. She's the kind of person who would talk to anyone, learn their life story, and then invite them over for dinner. In the late 50s and early 60s, she had half the Navy boys from down in the docks over to her house, much to my mother's delight, who dated several of them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Esther Lottie was grandma's name, and she laughingly called herself Estee Lauder. <laughs> she was an amateur archaeologist and had contraband or illicit artifacts all over the house. I have many of them now. She was fun-loving and everyone adored her, especially men. My mother's boyfriends and husbands, and later my boyfriends and husbands, were all in love with her, even when she was in her 70s. I tell you all this so you might get an idea of who she was in life, as it makes these stories a bit more meaningful. Grandma got cancer in the late 90s, and after struggling with it for more than a year, hospice came and helped her with the end of her life. I remember when she died. She laid in her bed, and the nurse opened all the windows in her bedroom, and the white lace curtains blew around in the breeze. It was the first time I'd been near a dead body of someone who I'd loved so much, and I remember feeling amazed at the complete absence of her. The room was so completely empty. It struck me how different everything was. The light was a little less bright. The air had a little less oxygen in it. 
I couldn't stand to touch her, and I didn't stay long. We lived in Washington State, and I flew with my grandpa and my grandma's ashes to Minnesota, where they hailed from. We buried her with her parents and flew home. Some ghostly stuff happened in Minnesota, but I'll skip that. About a week later, jumped down to Phoenix, Arizona, where my parents live. My mom had recently had hip surgery, and when she received flowers and a Mylar balloon, which said, Thinking of You, on it. For some reason, the balloon was in the guest room at the end of a 25-foot hallway. My parents' bedroom was on the opposite end of the hallway. Around 9 p.m. one night, my parents were in bed reading. They have a door in their room that leads out to the patio, and it was open to get some fresh air in the room. It's not often you can have an open door in Phoenix, or Hades, as I like to call it. Their dog got up and went to the bedroom door and lay down and started whining as she was looking down the hallway towards the guest room. They called to her, but she wouldn't move. Then from down the hall, they heard a strange thumping, bumping noise coming towards their room. It was the balloon, bumping the ceiling as it moved down the hall towards their room. The balloon came into the room and floated to the end of the bed. It stopped. The balloon turned 180 degrees so that the message thinking of you was pointing at my parents. It sat there a moment or two, and then it whooshed out the open patio door and up into the sky faster than a freight train. It disappeared. The dog barked and whined for a minute. My parents sat in bed staring out the door with their mouths hanging open. My mom turned to my dad with tears running down her face and said, My mom is here. About ten years later, I experienced some of the same sense of humor during Christmas. Every year, she gave me an ornament for the tree. I have them all, from year one. Of all of them, I have a favorite. He's a little three-and-a-half-inch-tall carved wooden elf with a red felt suit and a hat and a long white beard and a big red nose with little wire-rimmed glasses, and his head is on a spring. I keep all my ornaments in plastic totes inside the closet of a spare bedroom that we use as an office. This particular year, we got all the ornaments out of the closet and started to put them on the tree. Grandma's ornaments always go on first. I got most of them on the tree and realized I hadn't seen my little elf yet. I looked through every tote multiple times. No elf. I looked in the office closet for an hour. No elf. I even looked through all the totes again. No elf. I interrogated the children like the Hope Diamond had gone missing. Oh, I was sad and very, very confused. I finished the tree, I put everything away back in the office closet, and I started to make dinner. A couple hours later, I was going to go outside, I don't remember why. In my bedroom closet, I had a pair of boots with sheepskin lining that were under a couple of other pairs of boots shoved under a shelf. I hadn't worn them in a while. I went into the closet and I felt something inside the bottom of the boot. I pulled my foot out and reached in and pulled out the fucking elf. I sat down right there in the closet and stared at the boot in one hand and the elf in the other for a good long time. Then I laughed and laughed and laughed and told Grandma, Good one. I miss you too. And right then I smelled a whiff of her perfume and a tiny disturbance in the air. Since then, every Christmas, I hold my breath a little until I get the toad open and find his box and open it up to see if he's in there. And so far, he always is. Oh, that's great. That's an awesome story. I Thank really you love so that. much, Selena. This one's from Mary. I was listening to your Terrors of the Deep episode when you mentioned being curious to hear paranormal stories from the Axis side of the Second World War. An acquaintance of mine is a Germanophile. He spent years living in Germany, getting to know German ex-soldiers, and reading old historical records from World War I and World War II. He even found a German wife and convinced her to move back to the States with him. 
He told me this story he'd come across in a diary he read about a very young German soldier who'd been injured in combat and was taken to a church that was serving as a field hospital. Wounded soldiers were laid on pews and even on the altar. That night, the soldier dreamed of seeing a tall, bright figure moving through the sanctuary, among the men. Now and then, the figure would pause beside one soldier or another, and that soldier would get up and walk out of the church. When he woke in the morning, he found that the men he'd seen leave the church when the figure approached them had all died during the night. That's pretty wild. That is crazy. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mary. Again, I'm fascinated by these World War II stories, particularly from the Axis side, because we don't hear them. Well, and there's just so much death. Well, that too, there yeah. There's so much death, and, and I don't even understand how there couldn't be stories oh, and, of course. and spirits from, from those. What's interesting is just before we started recording, I was showing you the script for the upcoming uh, sort of haunted hospitals yeah. episode we're doing, and there was a story very much like this. Oh, Remember the, uh, the, the Grim Reaper yes. story? So yes. this is sort of a common, a common occurrence. Interesting. I mean, as we've learned from putting together the script for hospitals, yeah. this is this kind of thing. I mean, this is not healthcare, but that kind of thing is so common in healthcare circles oh, yeah. that it, it's almost commonplace. Yeah. You just sort of get used to it. Yeah. It's just because it yeah. becomes part of the landscape, yeah, which is fascinating. Story from Tiffany. So as you know, I just suffered this super rare type of heart attack that has me on medical leave for two months. My three-year-old daughter goes to preschool during the day and my partner goes to work. So I'm usually home alone during the week. After a few days, I started to get these weird vibes that someone was in the apartment with me, watching me while I was sitting on the couch or lying in bed. One day I was doing laundry in the basement and when I got back upstairs, the vibes were so strong that I actually checked the closets behind the shower curtain and under the regular curtains just to be sure someone hadn't slipped in while I was downstairs. I was thoroughly freaked out enough to say something to my partner at this point. So I sent him a simple text. It read, dude, I think our place is haunted. <laughs> that gets the point across. Not seconds later, I gasped at what I got back. He said, me too. I have a story for you later. Needless to say, I bugged him as soon as he walked in the door. What's your story? I asked. And I blurted out everything I'd experienced over the last few days. He nodded and said, yeah, I was making dinner while you were in the hospital and I saw Ella run through the kitchen up to my side. I turned to where she should have been to yell at her because I just asked her to sit down and eat her yogurt, and she wasn't there. I peeked around the corner, and she was sitting at her Hello Kitty table, eating her yogurt and intently watching Curious George. Holy cow, really? Why didn't you tell me? were all the things that I blurted out in rapid succession, to which he calmly said, Yeah, okay, telling the girl who just had a heart attack a spooky ghost story and watch her drop dead was not on my agenda <laughs> that's that's awesome that's that's pretty great yeah that is pretty great wow. and i i am glad to hear you're you're healing and feeling better yeah absolutely I, I wonder if it's a situation of like you know because she came close yeah that something is maybe she's just more sensitive or maybe it's a relative keeping an eye out she was in trouble and knew she needed someone to keep an eye on maybe her. yeah yeah well either way we're, we're glad you're all right absolutely and this last story comes from josh and of course, we, we, we mentioned Josh a little bit earlier. Josh says, I work overnight in a UPS warehouse. I've had some genuinely eerie feelings in this building, but nothing that couldn't be written off as a combination of loneliness and paranoia. I work alone from 9 p.m. till 1 a.m., and then someone else is there until 5 in the morning when I leave. The four hours I'm alone don't usually bug me that much because there's always the hum of machinery. Be it the beep of scanners resetting, the dull roar of the belts running, or my own music, I always have some kind of sound. Like, this place is seriously loud. I have to walk the building off to make sure all the doors are shut at some point during my shift, and I usually do this around the same time the other guy gets in. So, one o'clock comes, the other guy's in my office, and off I go. These walks generally take 20 to 25 minutes, and 
Just as I finished off the first leg, I got this immense pressure in my head, and everything went quiet. Now I mean silent. I can't hear a thing. I even hit my ring against one of the metal supports nearby, and still, nothing. At this point, the pressure in my head is throbbing, and I'm thinking I've gone deaf. Unfortunately, if anyone gets in the building on my shift, I'm held responsible, so deaf or not, I continued my walk. It wasn't until I got to the large bay door at the east end of the warehouse that I started to regain my hearing. Except this time, the hum of the building was just different. Something was off, and I couldn't tell what, but it didn't bother me until I heard the scream. Starting low and far away, seemingly at the other end of the building, what can only be described as a blood-curdling banshee screech began to pierce my ears. Getting louder and closer by the second, I flipped around to meet where the sound was coming from. My vision went dark. Not entirely black, but it seemed as though everything was way underexposed, like I was trying to take a picture of a streetlight at night with a flip phone camera. I looked around frantically for a couple seconds, and my vision returned as quickly as it had gone. Now with a pulse quicker than lightning, I am not ashamed to say I ran the rest of my walk. It wasn't until I got back to my office that I was confronted by my coworker worriedly asking where I'd been. Not entirely sure whether he'd believe me or not, I told him I was just doing my building walk. This is when I learned that I'd been gone for two hours. Where did my time go? How long was I actually blinded? He said he'd been calling for me and trying myself for the past 20 minutes. As far as I was concerned, I'd only been gone 20 minutes, and I didn't hear a thing but that horrid scream. And this is what I told him. At this point, all the blood is drained from my face, and while it's around 70 degrees, I am shaking like a leaf in a tornado. Luckily, he's a bit of a believer himself, and he knew from my general confusion and body language I was telling the truth. I asked if he could review the security footage, and he said yes. He told me they can't see me enter the area I felt that in, and they only have me on camera before and after. That is a terrifying story. It really is. And when we got this email, we encouraged him to seek medical attention. Like, oh, no kidding. Yeah. And we talked about that, I think, on the last we show. We did, yeah. The first thing we did was say, go see a doctor. And he got back to us later in the day, and he said that he had a CAT scan, and everything looks good. So, because so, my first thought was he had a stroke. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. What's fascinating is, um, you know, I, I refer to this earlier as the Arkansas Banshee. <laughs> yeah. But interestingly enough, the town where he is... Their sports team is called the Banshees. No way. Yeah. Wow. And if I'm not wrong, the facility is not too far from a river. Hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I, what's fascinating to me is that whatever this thing was prevented him from seeing it. Yes. I mean, if we were to accept that there's no physical phenomenon at play, he's health, like medically healthy, yeah. which the tests yeah. seem to confirm, then whatever this thing is intentionally stopped him from viewing it. And it's very powerful. It, extraordinarily yeah. powerful. Like yeah. the fact that, again, it, it went deaf for Christ's sake yeah. and then couldn't see. And, and it, he just thought it was for a moment. And uh, yeah, that, that's the other thing that scares me. Yeah. That's 90 minutes of lost time. Yeah. That's a huge amount of lost that's time. That's crazy. And the fact that he's not on camera either. Yeah. that Because... Up until that point, I thought maybe there's still something the doctors have missed, yeah. but no, he's not even on the goddamn camera. Yeah. So no, that is pretty crazy. truly, truly incredible. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing that with us, Absolutely. Josh. Absolutely. Keep us updated on yeah. anything else that happens near there. Please do. Um, and be safe. Yeah. Above all. <laughs> and we'd like to thank everyone who sent in stories. You guys are incredible. Uh, it's a long episode, but we just had all these stories we wanted to be able to tell. And to all the people who sent in stories and didn't hear them, please don't think we just didn't want to use your story. When uh, Brennan puts the episodes together, it's about putting together kind of a whole package. Yeah. And some stories fit together better than others. And so, you know, don't think your story is never going to see the light of day. Um, no, that's it. It, it may show up later on, but he is putting together kind of a cohesive thing. And I know the last time we did this, 
this i got some emails about that saying oh i'm sorry you didn't use my story and it's 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 not a done deal no it's just no. not this episode that's it i mean story. i'm working on i'm we're working on putting together a second dream episode yeah a protector spirit episode uh new orleans is coming up yeah. and someone sent in some stories from that the hospital one the hospital one yeah. yeah so a lot of this stuff gets sifted into there i mean i try to keep enough for listener stories episodes yeah but it is nice to have everything on sort of a, a topic as well yeah absolutely yeah so thank you so much for sending in your stories if you absolutely. have a story you want to share reach us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and uh, we'd love to hear from you we write back as much as we can and we will definitely include your story in a future episode all right, so we're going to take a quick break and come back with our patron shoutouts and the listener mail. Welcome back. want to thank our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, for their work, not on this episode, but on the, <laughs> the others we have coming up. They have been uh, chugging away. I know Anthony was actually on a little vacation, too. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, Ottawa. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. So, uh, yes, but he still managed to put some time in. He did, so, indeed. Thanks to those guys. I guess we'll head right on over to our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our new patrons. They are... Sin, Summer Musgrove, Amber Kelly, Tom the Viking, and Phyllis Ekoff. Thank you so much for your support, guys. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And if you would like to join our patrons, you can head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the $1, 5 10 20 and $50 levels. Yes. From $5 and up, you get the exclusive water cooler episode, which we release at least once a month. That's where Ian and I spend anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour talking about the food we've been eating, the shows we've been watching, all the nonsense stuff we've been doing that we can't fit into the regular show anymore. And at $10 and up, you get access to our monthly live show, which you can also access after the fact. And that's just an opportunity for us to hang out with you. And, uh, and you to ask us questions. Ask us questions. Yeah. Talk about what you've been doing. It's just kind of a, yeah, it's a way for us to connect with our audience on a more one-to-one level. And that's, that's a lot of fun. And at $20, you get... Uh, not only all those things, you also get a copy of Ian's smash hit <laughs> Christian country album, Aware of Wonder, a digital oh, copy. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and uh, you also get three signed art cards of my night photography. Well, those are actually nice. <laughs> I quite like your album, so there. <laughs> oh, and of course, starting at the $5 level, you also get access now to our monthly Luke Lore episodes. Yes. Yes, where Luke is each month picking a different topic and sort of making a companion episode to the main show. So the first one is up now, and that's the Wendigo. And as patrons, you get access to that 30 days ahead of the general public. And you also get access to the audio version of it. Uh, the general public will only have access to the YouTube video. So again, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys for more info about that. And thank you, Luke, for all your work on that. Yes, thank you very much. Now it's time for listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. 
as always, we appreciate everyone who reaches out to us over our the various channels, be it Instagram or Facebook or just email. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get a hold of us, send an email to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. That's usually the best way to do it. Yeah. And we'll always get back to you. It might take a little while because the volume of, in, of email it's we're receiving is up. still increasing. I know we <laughs> say that every time, but it's because it's true every time. Yep. And uh, But we, we love hearing from you. We love knowing that you connect with the show yeah. and that uh, you're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's just really For nice sure. to hear. And so we would like to thank for contacting us this week. Kara, Stephanie, Amber, Brett, Joanne, Lisa, Emily, Sin, Angie, Mary, Tiffany, Brianna, Lauren, Lori, Carolyn, Chris, Matthew, Emily, Selena, Arwen, Julie, Lance, and Beverly. So thank you to everyone for getting in touch. Um, Absolutely. Beverly had a question and uh, this came in just as we started recording. So we thought we would answer it Yeah, why not? She said, hey guys, I was wondering what some of your favorite ghost slash paranormal podcasts are since you are experts. (laughs) Uh, well, Beverly, that's very funny that you think we're experts at anything. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate the vote of confidence. I don't listen to a lot of ghost shows anymore. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts anymore in general. Um, but I would say for ghost shows, I listen to Into the Fray Radio, which is of course Shannon LeGros show. I listen to Booze and Bourbon. I listen to, of course, Kevin, that we need to talk about ghosts. Yes. Um, who else? Paul Mysteries and Monsters. Yeah. I'm behind, I haven't heard his latest episode, but I've been listening to him. Mysterious Universe is probably one of my favorites, but I actually haven't listened to it in almost a year. Um, but I mean, if you want spooky stuff, I, I would say they're a great place to go. Uh, I mean, everything Jim Harrell does is solid. You know, I haven't listened to his stuff in a while, but I'm, I've been a supporter of Jim's for years, you know, in terms of uh, being a subscriber, his campfire is great. Uh, paranormal podcast. You get to find out a lot of different or rather find out about a lot of different authors. Uh, so those are the ones off the top of my head. And Ian listens to so many podcasts, he can't he can't decide which um, one he wants. We need to talk about ghosts. Yep. Mysteries and monsters. Yep. Lore. Oh, yeah, you like lore. That's it. There we go. Okay. I don't even listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He really doesn't. Well, I'm there for the recording. No, that's fair. I listen to the outtakes because I'm always a little scared that one week Brennan will just go that much too far just put something in there i'll forget it fears it fears me that's fair yeah it fills me with great great fear if so. it's any consolation i listen to it over and over just to make sure. <laughs> just and i sometimes have nightmares about leaving the wrong thing in i know and so i'm very cautious also we're much more jail. we're much more careful about what we say when the mics are on now we are because we used to be a lot we more loosey-goosey yes. although just a couple weeks ago we were saying horrible things that's true and I, I was skillfully scared. edited around them. Yeah, but I was really worried. <laughs> I, it actually came back to me later on in the week, which is unusual. Oh, really? I'm like a goldfish. Like once this is done, I don't even remember what the episode was about. Right. And um, no, this came back to me. <laughs> I was I was scared. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you are in good hands, sir. Yeah. So sorry, Beverly. We would love to be more broad and in our scope <laughs> and depth but we're really not that deep no i mean there's yeah that's it there's different kinds of shows right i mean expanded perspectives uh cam and kyle they've got a great show they do a lot of like cryptid type stuff i haven't listened to the show in ages but it's a good show and when i say i haven't listened to a show in a long time it's usually just because i don't have time well this is the thing i mean with two jobs and doing this show and <laughs> brody another book 
Yeah, that's uh, it. I'm just not listening to anything else. I got too much to focus on. No, that's it. I mean, I've got this show. I do. I've been doing the video stuff. I've and got your radio show. The radio show. Yeah. I'm working on a book. Yeah. So yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I've got the time, but I I don't like to always have someone talking at me. Well, this is the thing. Like I find I have a hard enough time keeping my own thoughts in my head. Yeah. <laughs> let alone putting someone else's in there too. That's it. Yeah. And if you can do it, God bless you. Oh sure. Yeah. No, I I know people who would listen to up to 50 podcasts. <gasps> How uh, do you even keep track? Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine. Wow. But uh, yeah, so those are some some recommendations. I mean, yeah. if you want non-spooky shows, I recommend The Vanished, hosted by Marissa Jones. That's a really good show about missing people. Oh, cool. Our listener, Cherie, just put me on to To Live and Die in L.A., which is about a missing Macedonian actress in Los Angeles. It's mm. a true story. Wow. That's pretty good. I could go on, but yeah, that, that's probably, I should stop there, but th- there's some, <laughs> some great places to start. And honestly, yeah. a lot of those shows are kind of linked in a community, like, you know, uh, expanded perspectives and, and all those guys that kind of they'll right. reference each other's shows yeah so you'll find other shows from there yeah yeah no one references this one <laughs> no 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 that's fair that's fair and uh we had another question that i sort of wanted to answer on air because i thought it would be fun it's another podcast question it was brandy and she asked us this on our last live show and then the the connection, the died, connection died so we couldn't answer the thing on the air <laughs> But she asked us, uh, if you could start another podcast, if you were, and it wasn't a spooky one, what would it be about? Food. Yeah. And, and I, I, I yeah. thought yours would be food. Yeah. Uh, food. And, but specifically like different ways of preparing boring food, I think would be really fun. Like 10 different ways to do different kinds of rice and what oh, are the different God, kinds I'm of rice. God, I'm sleep already. Shut up. It'd be amazing. It would. You're just jealous. That's exactly what jealous. That's the word I was I thinking know. of. Yeah, I know. And what would you do? Oh, movies. Oh, of yeah, course. movies, movies. I I've toyed around with the idea, but I I'm just not. No, not right now. There's a lot of movie podcasts too, aren't there? That's it too. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, what I would like to do is I would like to take a movie that's maybe a little bit less talked about, and do as much of a deep dive into it as I could. Because they go through the commentary on the Blu-ray right, or whatever, right, and right. and then just kind of tell you about that movie like okay the one i thought of doing this for was steven seagal's exit wounds (laughs) and it's not a great movie but i like it and steven seagal's a horrible person uh but i just thought it would be entertaining to do that but again this takes up so much my time and largely the truth my radio show that yeah no it's not gonna happen anytime soon but Mm -hmm. my answer is it would be a movie show nice yes so that's going to do it for listener mail. Again, if you want to get a hold of us, best way is ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Uh, and we will get back to you as fast as we can. So do we have anything coming up? You're doing some ghost walks this month. Doing some ghost walks. Um, we have a listener visit coming up tomorrow. Yes. We're recording this on Saturday. Yes. And on Sunday, uh, Sierra is in town. That's right. So I'm going to meet up with you. She's coming to one of your ghost walks. Yep. So I will come down. We'll all... We're going to sign books for her. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, I'm excited. And then there's a few people coming this summer. Yeah, Arwen. Arwen's is, coming from Florida. That's pretty cool. She's yeah. going to come to. And uh, is Stephen. Stephen's coming. And if you happen to be passing through Victoria, do you want to do one of Ian's ghost walks? Uh, of course, it, I should. We should say because there's been some confusion. Ian does not run the company that hosts the ghost walks. Ian is one. Yeah, of Yeah, we're not shilling these for my personal gain. No, here. no, no. I get no extra money from <laughs> Ian's you. Ian's an employee, <laughs> but he's very good at what he does, and he enjoys it. Uh, but yeah, if you're in Victoria and you want to be on one of the ghost walks that Ian is hosting, give us a shout at ghoststoryguides at gmail.com and we'll see what we can do about making that happen. And certainly if you are in town and you want to meet up, we can possibly make that work too. Again, just send us an email and we'll see what we can work out. If for some reason you want to hear more of my voice, you can find me over at Largely the Truth. That's my weekly music show on Stoke FM. 
That's every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific. And if you're not in the local broadcast area, which you're not going to be because it's very small, <laughs> uh, you can listen online at stokefm.com or via the TuneIn app. And that's just a weekly trip through the soundtrack of my mind. It can be any number of things. So, yes, if you want to come hang out with me for an hour on Wednesday nights, that's where to do it. Speaking of music, the interstitial music on today's show was provided by Epidemic Sound. You can find them at epidemicsound.com. They're a one-stop shop for all your music and soundtrack needs for your podcast and your YouTube channel. We've been members of Epidemic Sound for, uh, I think, almost two years now. Nice. And they've been very good to us. If you're looking for pod-safe music for your show, make sure to check them out. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys gear, head on over to ghoststoryguys.com, click the link to our Redbubble or Threadless stores, and from there you can get stickers, t-shirts, travel mugs, pretty much anything you're heart desires with ghost story guys on it, you will find there. We do recommend the Redbubble store. That's the one we're updating more often now. And we've had some folks buy some stuff recently, which we certainly appreciate. And make sure to send us a picture of you wearing it. We'll put it up on our social media. We'll thank you. And uh, of course, if you don't want us to, that's fine as well. We may as well preemptively thank, because he's doing you a pretty big favor, Pete Duras. Mm-hmm. who you will actually you'll be crashing in his place when you're in Los Angeles. <laughs> I will. I will. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So thank you so much, Pete. We're going to we're gonna send a, little, a few treats along we with are. Ian as yeah. a thank you for that. And I uh, would also like to thank Tyler Liston, who is a bookseller in Illinois, who is carrying now copies of my book. Yay, thank someone's you. carrying it. I mean, <laughs> yay for Tyler. And this is how you die. <laughs> Finally, we'd like to thank our friend Peter of Pizzanto Music for our intro and outro music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash the real Pizzanta music. I guess that's going to do it. Yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with another show. And until then. Into the darkness we go. Like a hostel, actually. Like uh, the rooms. I've never stayed in one of those types of places. I see. <laughs> I need your address. You ordering food? I'm I'm setting it up. I'm not ordering I see. just yet. I can't wait for you to pronounce this. You're so mean. <laughs> Support your local zoo. Oh You've heard that one, right? <laughs> it was like a whisper show, the kind of thing you do trying to get your friend's attention inconspicuously. Brennan, fuck off! No. <laughs> Live and let No more singing. Oh. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Nope, that intonation was for the radio show. The 90s, they kind of thought maybe it's coming back, but it didn't. But it didn't. No. no. Late stage capitalism is coming for all of us. Sponsored by Osaka Fish Concern. <laughs> <laughs>